This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey there. Happy episode five of The Table Business. It's me, Jack. How you doing? Thanks for joining us today. And hey, have you supported an independent tabletop creator today? Maybe you want to buy some maps, get some dice, or hey, how about some etched glassware? Well, if that piques your interest, you might want to stick around for today's episode because I'm talking to Ben from Smoldering Designs. Ben's a fellow Aussie and he's making this really cool etched glassware that's inspired by D&D. And we have a really fun conversation today. We talk a little bit about how Ben got into the world of D&D. We talk about how the business got started. And Ben is also the first participant in our inaugural D&D quickfire round. But also, Ben did something so amazing for us. And you're going to hear about it in today's episode. So stick around for it. But let's get into it. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So let's start out with a super easy question for you. Tell me a bit about yourself and tell me about Smoldering Designs. Melbourne native, father of two small girls, twin girls, who just started school this year and keep me very much on my toes. Smoldering Designs is just a little Etsy shop that I started up uh, a couple of years back. Basically started from a a COVID hobby that, uh, you know, uh, I made a couple of glass etchings for my friends over over the COVID lockdown and quite enjoyed doing it and they all really seemed to like it. So I uh, decided to, to create a little shop on Etsy and start selling them to the wider world. And uh, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. That's that's so cool. And I want to, we'll talk a little bit more about those custom designs soon because uh, you did something extremely surprising <laughs> and cool for us. Um, so we'll talk about that soon. But I love to start these chats by talking about how like your tabletop origin story, essentially. So take me back. When did it begin? What was what was the day like? All that kind of stuff. Break it down. It's, it's one of those funny things. And it's something I've come across with a lot of other D&D players lately is that I've probably been playing for close to six or seven years now. But because I didn't grow up playing it, I still feel like I'm a newcomer to the space. Um, so, yes, it, it started, like I said, about six years back. I had one of my mates basically put it to a bunch of us, you know, is anyone interested? His younger brother was an avid d d player and he was kind of curious to it. So he kind of threw out the invite and said, Many of you guys interested in giving this a go? And he went, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll try it. So we all ran to his place and his younger brother very uh, graciously led us through, you know, character creation. And I believe he actually led us through the opening to The Lost Minds. And he was very patient with us. Um, and we all got hooked immediately. But I think I think that one training session for him was a one and done. <laughs> <laughs> So my mate then threw up his hand to um, to DM a campaign for us, which his his first campaign, and he decided to homebrew it, which is very brave of him. Um, and yeah, we all just fell into it that way, and we all loved it and had a ball. And then probably about a year into it, he had uh, a baby come along, his second child, and so obviously it was a newborn, it's a bit hard to then DM because there's a lot of input. So. I threw up my hand and said, all right, I'll, I'll give DMing a go. Um, 
wasn't nearly as brave to try homebrewing my own. So I uh, I got Curse of Strahd and decided I'd, I'd run our party through that. And uh, from then on in, I've kind of just become the uh, forever DM in our group. <laughs> Every time we finish a campaign, we say, right, who's going to DM the next? Everyone else goes, um, and I go, all right, I'll do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I'm I'm most impressed that you just said when we finish a campaign. Does you finish multiple campaigns? We I've I've we've just finished our second one, and I'm now prepping to run our third one. So we did Curse of Strahd first, um, then Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and now I am prepping Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Um, so now glass etching, big part of what you do. Um, how's that something that you get into? comes largely from my wife, actually. So my wife is also very much a crafter. We both like to try different things. Um, sewing predominantly is hers. And uh, a while back, she had her eye on a machine called a cricket. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Then that it's um, basically it's like a bit of a, a plotter. So you feed your own design into it, and it can cut it out of numerous things, fabric, vinyl, paper. So it's used for a lot of and crafting supplies and so she was after one of those and i thought brilliant lock that one away that's her that's her birthday present sorted so i applied to that and we get it home she's all excited but obviously she'd done a bit of research into him she's like the design software that comes with them it's a bit of a steep learning curve so she turns to me and goes you learn how to use the thing and then you can teach me how to use it I'm like, oh, all right I'm, I'm used to design software do a fair bit of it so i'm like all right um well what am i going to make first and and looking it up, we'd seen other people had used it for glass etching. They use machine to cut their own stencils out of vinyl, stick it on the glass, and apply this etching cream that then burns the image into the glass. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll give it a go. That's pretty cool. Um, now, what am I going to design and make with it? And, of course, as I said, this all happened when we were at the start of COVID, and I hadn't seen my D&D group for about six months or so, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make each of them uh, character glass for from our stride campaign and I can mail it out to them and it'll be a nice little surprise for them since we, you know, we haven't seen each other. So I made up these designs for each of their characters, um, put them on the glasses and then posted them out. And when I, um, when I bought Curse of Strahd, I got the deluxe edition that comes with like the little welcome to Barovia postcards and stuff. So I chucked one of those into each of theirs and, and mailed them off and yeah it was like I said earlier it's just one of those really nice little surprises for them they get in they open it and they're like oh my god and you know they were really appreciative and from there it kind of just took off I'm like oh well they were like you should sell these I'm like oh, I suppose I can make up some more designs for the different you know classes and stuff and stick them up on Etsy and that's how I bought my wife a birthday present that I use more than she does uh, <laughs> <laughs> So it's like the new version of like the Homer Simpson bowling ball. Exactly. That yeah. off there. Well done. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, that's, yeah, very cool. So then you you make these glasses, uh, you make it for the, the the guys in your group and they, they love it. How do you then go, okay, side hustle, let's go. Like how, how do you make the jump from there to there? I just like designing stuff. In it's, it's a hobby I like to do. So, so I was like, all right, well, I actually already had a pre-existing Etsy store that I had sort of set up years before for something else, but never actually done anything with. So it was just sitting there and I was like, oh, 
that's it's easy enough. It's already there. It's going to make the listings and stick it on. So, I mean, the fun part for me was sitting down and coming up with designs for all the the different classes and stuff like that. So I just sit there and do that and, and have fun etching them up because, again, it's one of those things I make them and then once they're finished and you look at them, I'm just kind of get that little bit of pride of, yeah, I really like what I've done here. So just, um yeah, created the shop then because and uh, kind of just took off from there. It's it's started off slow as anything does and still has its peaks and troughs, but it's just something I can do in my spare time and, and quite enjoy doing and, yeah. The thing I notice a lot with like a lot of people who have like these creative pursuits and these endeavors that they want to do is the biggest barrier to doing it is like doing it. It's like getting started. Like we love to spend time thinking about our ideas and like imagining how great our life is going to be when our <laughs> idea comes out to the world and people see it. Like there's resistance always when we put out a creative project. How'd you get past the resistance? For me, it was more... This was something that I was enjoying doing already. Like I enjoyed making these things. Um, the barrier to getting it out there, like I, I came into it with low expectations as well. It's not like I'm going to make these things and I'm just going to load them into Etsy and I, all of a sudden it's going to take off and skyrocket and everyone's going to be buying them. I've I've worked in the e-commerce space enough. I, I've got that sort of background as well that I know these best laid plans of I'm going to, you know, I'm going to advertise something on Facebook and suddenly everyone's going to come to me. I know that that doesn't happen straight away. I know that it's never just going to go bang like that. So I came into it not expecting a huge amount of it. But I also at the same time knew that there was a market for that sort of thing. Like you, you go onto any sort of craft like that, like the D&D space itself is was already big and it's just getting bigger and bigger as it goes. If we know one thing for sure, it's that we nerds love to spend our money on nerdy crap. <laughs> Minis, dice, terrain, there's so much stuff out there. And we love that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, here's a little niche that I haven't seen anyone else doing. Um, so I'm like, just just do it. Like, like I said, I enjoy the creative part. And because I enjoyed doing that and I already had them made and sitting there, it's like, well, I might as well... Just go ahead and stick them online. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, it's just go from there. By the way, I want to touch on how, how quick you are, by the way. You mentioned that. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about the custom work that you did for us. So I reached out to you and was like, I'm looking for some, some Christmas presents for the guys from Sounds Like Adventure. And I can say this now because this episode won't come out until after Christmas. <laughs> um, so um, I, I reached out to you. I told you the design. I had very like small editions because you already had Soul Knife and um, Illusion Wizard things for us to use. So it was perfect. Um, and But they were still custom. So I was expecting, okay, this will at least take a couple of days. And then I like even had to change my address because it had my old address in Melbourne. I had to, gave you some complications. And then it was like the next day, it was like, it's done and it's shipped. I'm like, what? Like, are you, are you okay? Like, that was so fast. That seems unbelievable. I had some free time that night. I had, some, I had to do something. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away by how fast that was. And then the icing on the cake, it arrives and I buy two glasses off you and there's a third glass in the box and I pull it out and I'm like, this is weird. And I'm the, the paper is over and I can't quite see what it is. I'm like, oh, did you send me just like an empty glass as like to, to balance out the box or something like that? And I, I take it off and I'm going to put this on our social media so people can see what you've done. 
you made a custom sounds like adventure glass for us with like the the font, the artwork, the dice, like the sword, like it looks amazing. <laughs> and you just did it just totally out of the kindness of your heart. Like the, we didn't ask about that at all. Well, well. That was, uh, you just blew, you made my day. And <laughs> at the same time, you kind of ruined the Christmas present because I had to go and show the guys. That <laughs> and they're like, where's this from? I want to buy a glass. And they're looking at your website. I'm like, okay, guys, can you just not buy any glasses until no no reason whatsoever but just buy until after christmas and then you can so you've got a few orders coming i think <laughs> but yeah i just want to say thank you and I, I i couldn't believe um how great it was and like from like me as a customer experience at that point it was just like absolutely made my day so is like that's something you like to do um when you get the chance that is look um and i mentioned look there's been a few other makers in the D&D space and I've done something similar to them a couple of other podcasters and again like like we said it can be really hard to get started and get yourself out there like that um there's been a couple who you know were sort of starting their own podcast and stuff like that and I just met them again through social media through you know online and wanted to show a bit of support, give them, you know, a bit of a bit of encouragement for what they were doing, say great job. So same sort of thing. I, I just grabbed their logos online and etched them up a glass and sent them out to it. And and yeah, sort of similar res- response. It's again, like I said, it's something that I just love to I love that sort of feedback when someone gets something and goes, Wow, this is incredible. I'm, I love that feeling and I think it's great. And so I just wanted to, yeah, give them a bit of encouragement and and say, well, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. And here's a little, here's a little something to to keep you going. Uh, yeah, I cannot overstate how chuffed I was because I, I I was saying this to you on Instagram is that I don't have any physical representations of the show yet. This is the very first piece, and. Um, I was fully expecting myself to commission something and things like that. So to get it for like as a total surprise um, and just like totally out of the kindness of your heart was just like such an amazing moment. So yeah, thank you from all three of us. It sounds like adventure. You you absolutely blew our minds. Well, you're, you're very, very welcome. Um, so we'll start wrapping things up now. So I've got a couple of questions that I always like to ask and then I've got a quick fire round for you. At the no end. worries. Question one. So. What's one thing that most people, what's one thing that they don't realize about independent creators like yourself? I think a lot of the time they probably don't realize the amount of time that goes into something. Specifically, you know, creators will make his own. Mine mine takes up a bit of time, but it's not too bad. But then you'll see other creators out there who are doing this incredible stuff and people look at the price tag and go, geez, that's really expensive. And it's like, yeah, it's really expensive because it takes a long time to make. Mm. Um, there is a lot of back-end stuff that goes into it. And especially with the advent of, you know, Amazon and Catch and all that sort of stuff, when you can go online and see something that's dirt cheap and be like, oh, yeah, if I can get it there this cheap, why is it so much more expensive over there? It's like, that's the difference between having something that's handmade and something that's pushed out by a machine, really. So, yeah. Question two. I want to know your first ever character in D&D. What was it? My first ever, I'll say real character. So my f- the first one from our little training session with my mate's brother, I, I don't really count because I 
First one from a campaign was a dragonborn ranger who ended up kind of being sort of the the real damage dealer in our party. So yeah, a blue a blue dragonborn called Azale. And uh, for my first sort of yeah real experience into D and had quite a lot of fun with him. Um, I think a real key highlight from our campaign was us trying to sneak into a guard tower, and I managed to crit once and roll really high damage on the two guards on the standing on the watchtower, and basically got headshots on both of them <laughs> straight off straight off the bat. And I was like, okay, that was that was yeah peak peak kick ass moment for his ales. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty badass. Spy moves. Um, and then the last question for this part. Um, if you think back to all your years around the table, do you have a favorite story from your time? It doesn't have to be game. It can just be fun, friend stuff. There's been a few sort of epic, memorable moments. Uh, probably the best ones are always the ones that get the biggest laughs. So, you know, those are the ones. I, when we were running Curse of Strahd, we were doing. Uh, as they're heading heading up the mountains, heading up this mountainside cliff, going over this big bridge, and the party gets attacked by a rock. A giant bird comes down. One of my party members has the grey bag of tricks, which is a bag that, you know, you pull in a thing, uh, pull something out of it and throw it, and it will transform into basically an animal companion that can attack for you. She reaches in, pulls out, rolls for it. She's pulled out an elk. And it doesn't take this form until it hits the ground. So she throws it, but because of the wind, it gets blown off the, off the bridge. So it hits the bridge, transforms into an elk, and then goes flying off the side and goes tumbling down hundreds of feet to go splat somewhere far, far below them. Amazing. Yeah, that, that was a pretty memorable moment. That one, that one got a good laugh around the table, so yeah. Yeah, what was the reaction in the room of the player and then of everyone else as well? Hey, everyone just cacked themselves laughing. There was, there was no, it was just like, oh God. Yes, it was a very good moment. Great. So to close things up, we're going to go into our D&D fire round. So I'm going to hit you with some of the most divisive D&D questions that are going right now. Oh God, all right. And the rules are, you've got to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind and you've got to keep your answers to no longer than say 10 to 20 seconds. Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay, so in your games, what happens when a player gets a nat 20 on an ability check? Nat 20, not an automatic success. There's some things that you just can't do. <laughs> Otherwise, you just don't. How do you, how, how do you define that? What's, what's your point where you're like, you're trying to pull the moon out of the sky right now? Well, we say like, if they're doing something that is within the realm of possibility, you know, something that their play would actually be able to do. But I think the idea of an automatic success then just negates them saying, well, I'm going to try and do the impossible and I rolled in that 20, therefore I can do it. And I can understand the the viewpoint of, well, don't get them to roll for it, but I just prefer to say it's not an automatic success because you get those players who will just roll a dice before you ask them to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, what happens when they roll a nat one in combat? In combat, there is a, I have a quick fail of some regard. They may drop a weapon. They may accidentally injure one of their party members or themselves. Um, there is normally some repercussion for it. Not not huge or major, but normally something. Yep. So you're not crit fail uh, tables or anything like that, or is it just sort of situation? No, no. We just sort of make up on the spot. Like if they if someone they're attacking has another player in melee with them right next to him, maybe the attack gets deflected onto them. If no one else is around, 
maybe they swing wide and hit themselves or yeah, drop their weapon or something, something along those lines. So this one's really popular at the moment and it's super divisive on Reddit, I've seen. So I'm keen to hear your opinion. So should the enemies that the players fight, should they have defined health totals or should they just die when the DM thinks the party has stopped having fun? I have found a device that I've used. I can't remember where I read it. I think it was on TikTok. The guy uses the range. So on a character stat, it has the range that their health should be. So it gives you their hit dice, which can have you a minimum and a maximum amount of health. So what he does is he, instead of counting down, when enemies are dealt damage, he adds it up. And once it gets within that enemy's range, he can then decide when they die. So it's a kind of like the best of both worlds because then you can be like, right, you know, this enemy they're having fun with, so I'll keep them in play a bit longer or they're getting bored, right? They've hit the minimum rage. We can take them out of the battle. But it sort of makes it a bit more dynamic that way, gives the DM the option, but still keeps it within limits as well. Love that. Is it, have you tried that out? I have. I have. And I found it worked really well. Um, and obviously, it involves a bit more sort of uh, telling on the DM side. But I think if you prep for enough for it and you know what their ranges are, I think it's, it's a really good way to run it. True or false, railroading is fine to do. I would say false. <laughs> True, but... Revealing things to your players <laughs> right now. My gosh. Depends on the campaign. Depends on if it is a linear campaign or an open world campaign. If like, um, for example, while Beyond the Witchlight, the way it's written is a very linear campaign. In that case, I say railroading is fine. Curse of Strahd is a sandbox. It is very open world. Railroading there, not a good idea. You can point them in the direction, but ultimately, if you've given them a wide open world to play in, you have to let them go play in it. True or false again? Uh, a DMPC is always a bad idea. I don't like them, mainly because the only real one that I've had was through Curse of Strahd and only bits and pieces. And it just, to be honest, it was too much for me. <laughs> it was one more thing I had to take care of. And I'm just like, eh. um, it was just more hassle, you know, uh, as well as I, I find really weird as the DM to be playing both the enemies and a PC attacking them because I find it really hard to come compartmentalize what they would know as a as a dm you know well they're vulnerable to that and i've got one of those attacks i should be using it but the player wouldn't know the character wouldn't know that so i just it, it, i find it more hassle than it's worth the mental arithmetic a bit too much um so then your preference personally i'd say as a player for this one which may not happen all that much anymore um but uh combat rp or puzzles what do you prefer probably combat and puzzles. I think as a lot of people who come into D&D, the role play is probably the hardest aspect to get into for a lot of people when they first start. I've gotten better at it over the years, but still even some nights I feel incredibly awkward doing it. Even even as the DM, I will stop doing voices and just be like, well, the character tells you this because it's just like I'm, I'm feeling too self-conscious tonight. I'm not going to try and do my terrible Scottish accent for you. <laughs> Sometimes it is quite exhausting as well. I can figure out not only how am I going to move the story forward, but what do all these characters say? Like, can't I just tell you the gist of what they're getting at here? I know. And no matter what accent you start in, they all end up sounding the same. 
And no matter what I have in my head, I know how this character sounds. Second you open your mouth, something completely different comes out. And it's like, right, I've got to use that now. Okay. It's like I have a, an amazing Michael Caine impression in my head. But when it comes out, I sound like a Jamaican guy. It's really weird. Even, even when you've like, you'll have one or two sentences that you can do perfectly, but then you have to say something else and it just goes out the window. Yeah. But my, Michael Caine. My, <laughs> Michael Caine. No, I'm not going to try. I try and do it once. <laughs> Uh, in-person or online games? I think you might have given us a teaser. In-person by far. Why's that? I just think that's that's part of the whole fun of D&D is getting together and hanging out with your mates. Like, like I said, we did online during COVID and we kind of struggled with it. I mean, we enjoyed it because we still got that time together. But after playing in person for so long, it's just it's what we know. It's what we love doing, getting together. I mean, half, how about, that's half the reason why I made the glasses. I like the idea of people being able to sit around the table together and share a drink together and play the game. So, yeah, in person all the way. And for those in-person sessions, what's your preferred snack? I've got a sweet tooth. So anyone who's bringing lollies of any sort, normally normally a good way to go. What's your favorite lolly then? Are you on the, the strawberries and cream? You on the Allens? What are you? What are you on? Uh, what we are, I think someone had bought a bag of Starburst the other week, and I made a pretty decent dent in that. So, <laughs> is, is Starburst still around? I was looking for it the other day. I couldn't find it. I feel like they've sunset Starburst in Australia. Oh, uh, it's got it's still around somewhere. I don't know where they found it, but uh, with a bag there. Import shop, maybe. And last question for you. This is the most difficult, the most contentious. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Lock it in. Uh, my wife, my wife gets right into the Christmas spirit. She wanted to sit down and watch a Christmas movie the other night and she put on Die Hard and I was all there for it. Oh, such a good movie. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, where can people find more from you? So you can find me. I am at Smoldering Designs on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, although Facebook tends to just be duplication of Instagram anyway. Um you can find me in the Etsy store, which is uh, under Smoldering Designs as well. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we hear it sounds like adventure. We would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right. With all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.